Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome into another episode of another Dolphins Podcast. This is our midweek episode. Unfortunately, Jake Mendel is off doing bigger and better things. He should have a pretty awesome episode with a fantasy analyst coming out later this week. That's all I'm going to say about that. But with Jake doing that, it is time to bring in the one, the only, Merrick Brave. Merrick, man, how are you doing today on this fine Wednesday afternoon? Josh, what's bigger and better than hanging out with us two, man? I think we're both pretty cool, are we not? Yeah, yeah, we're pretty cool. We just needed someone to go. Um, I don't want to say the analyst's name just in case for some reason it falls through, but it's a it's a pretty big whale that we had an opportunity to interview. So he went to do that, and you and I get to talk. So I know you have a lot you want to say about that 21-14 heartbreaking loss to the uh, mm. Kansas City Chiefs in Frankfurt, Germany. But, yeah, before that, I just want to know how you're doing today. Before you, you know, bring this podcast down a little bit, perhaps. <laughs> well, all things considered, I'm doing uh... – I'm doing pretty all right on this Wednesday. A little, little bit of a gloomy day here in Iowa as we as we progress through these these fall months here, getting close to winter. Not really looking forward to that. But yeah, you asked my opinion on this on this Dolphins Chiefs game, and I'm kind of sitting here not really knowing what to think about this Miami Dolphins team anymore. You know, I hit you up in the DMs, and I, I told you I was so disappointed because my expectations for this team had had risen so high you know, based on what they had done earlier in the season. And I know they lost to a playoff caliber team, but the Buffalo Bills who, you know, they've actually been sliding a little bit themselves as of late. So, uh, you know, that's actually to the Dolphins benefit. So we'll take that Dolphins still in first place in the AFC East, but, you know, they lost to the Bills and then they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, another uh, playoff caliber team defending NFC champions. And, and I really felt like this game against the chiefs was theirs for the taking, um, you know, Chiefs are a good football team, but their offense hasn't been humming as much this year as it has in years past. So I thought this was a really great opportunity with the Dolphins defense getting healthy, you know, for them to to show up in a big time matchup against, uh, you know, obviously a Super Bowl caliber team. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. Um, and that first half was so disheartening. You know, the, the defense, they did give up two touchdowns in the first half, uh, but the offense they were they were the unit that that let us down i think you know zero points in the first half for the first time in what they say like 40 games 40 games like yep 40 games yeah come on and 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 we're talking about offenses that used to be ran by you know george godsey and and uh eric studisville and, and like we're talking about the lowest of the low offenses charlie here. fry was in there somewhere yeah, you know, this is a Mike McDaniel-led offense. He's calling the plays. Tua Tungavailoa, an MVP candidate, throwing the football. You got Jalen Waddell out there. You got Tyreek Hill out there. This offense shouldn't be shut out in any half against any opponent, any game, anywhere. I don't care if the game was in Frankfurt, Germany or not. This offense needs to put points on the board, uh, and they just didn't do that. And and I, I really look back at the play right before the half where Tyree Kill has that fumble. It gets returned for a touchdown by the Kansas City Chiefs. That was a huge play in this game. You know, breaking news, I know. But, like, the Dolphins were in scoring territory there. At the very least, a field goal. So, you know, you get the field goal. You're down 14-3. to three. If you go into the second half 
you, you the defense pitches a shutout like they did in the second half, but the offense scores a couple touchdowns. You win that game, 17 to 14. All right. It's a low scoring affair, but you feel good about it because the Dolphins get the victory. So now we got people trying to tell us that, hey, this this isn't that bad of a loss. The defense looked great. And I admit, defense did look very good. I was highly impressed with this defense. It was so awesome to see Jalen Ramsey out there with Xavier Howard, uh, with Javon Holland, David Long, you know, playing well. Bradley Chubb's looking real good as of late. I'm encouraged by the defense, but you got people telling me that this loss against the Kansas City Chiefs isn't that big of a deal and and you know hey we lost by 28 to the bills and then by 14 to the eagles and then only seven to the chiefs we're getting close we're getting close we're getting close they're telling me it's a moral victory well you, you know what another name for a moral victory is josh a loss loser? okay as you say a a loss. <laughs> that 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 is a synonym for a moral victory a loss and uh, uh last i checked you don't win Super Bowls by losing football games. And I believe that is this team's ultimate goal is to win a Super Bowl. And up until this past week, that was really my expectation for this team. I really did feel like they were Super Bowl contenders. But after that game against the Kansas City Chiefs, their third loss this year uh, against a, a playoff caliber squad, and, and now you got people going all the way back to what week three of last year was the last time the Dolphins beat a team that had a record over 500. Like, like someone needs a stat check, check that. I don't believe it. That that has to be a troll count. That has to be one of those troll real, counts, right? But, no. but that's that, that. I guess that's my whole point of this rant is my expectations had risen so high that I'm done with moral victories. Moral victories are still losses and I'm done with the losses against the good teams. It's time for this team to be a good team if they want to be considered a good team. And I think they are a good team, but good teams don't win Super Bowls. Great teams win Super Bowls. And they have yet to beat a great team. And in my opinion, this Dolphins team, until they prove otherwise, is not a great football team. And, and it hurts me to say that. It pains me to say that. I'll still support this team to the day I die. And I still think there's plenty of time for them to write the ship this season and prove me wrong. They have opportunities against the Baltimore Ravens later this year, against the Dallas Cowboys later this year, against the Buffalo Bills in week 18, which very well could be for the division crown and a, and a home playoff game. I think this team's much more dangerous at home than they are on the road. So I'd love to see them get that. But right now I'm skeptical. And like I said, it, it hurts me to say that, and it makes me sad to say that, but uh, I need to see them start winning some of these games instead of just getting close. Uh, defense is on the rise. That's good. But something needs to be figured out with this offense. When your offense is dictated and predicated on timing, uh, you know, and, and you have all these motions and these jet sweeps and ball needs to be snapped at the exact right time at the exact right location. And we saw that didn't happen on the Miami Dolphins last offensive play. Uh, you know, blame who's who are we placing the blame on on that one? You know, there it's, it's everyone battling on Dolphins Twitter this week. Is it was it Tua's fault? Was it Connor Williams fault? It was both of those guys fault, man. It was both of their fault. You know, snap was a little bit to the outside, but hey, Tua should have caught it. He is a right-handed human being, but like, like everyone's like, oh, it's it should have been snapped to his left side because he's left-handed. No, he's not. Tua Tungavaloa is right-handed. He's a right-handed quarterback. He should have caught that. I know he throws left-handed, but but you know he does everything else with his right hand. So, uh, I I place equal blame on on both those dudes there, but I'm placing a lot of blame on on the offense and 
in as a whole they didn't show up you know you need your best players to play their best in big games in big moments and that didn't happen Tua wasn't great Tyreek wasn't great you know Jalen out there 65 percent they say with his injuries he, he wasn't the best offensive line was a little banged up uh, I just I thought all around it was a sluggish performance by what is supposed to be the best offense in the NFL and they just didn't look like it in Germany so I got to lower my expectations a little bit for this team and it makes me sad to do so, but I'm hoping, you know, over the next few weeks when they go out there and they start stomping on some of these lower tier teams, you know, we can start feeling good about them again, but I'm hoping when they get to these games against the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Bills, they can pull off some victories and we can actually feel confident heading into the playoffs. Cause I do still think this team is a playoff caliber team. What they do when they get there beats me, man, because there's only good teams that make the playoffs. Mostly, most of the time, bad teams don't get there. That's not really how that works. So uh, hoping they can turn things around offensively. Who thought we were going to be here after week nine saying the offense needs to step up their game, by the way, after putting 70 points on the Denver Broncos. But that's kind of where we're at right now. So, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of words there, a little word vomit on, on this Miami Dolphins Chiefs game. But, uh, you know, We'll move on from here and we'll see where they go. I'm confident they'll turn things around, but I'm going to lower the expectations for now because I don't want to get hurt, Joshua. That's all it is. Being a Dolphins fan is pain. And I'm tired of being sad and disappointed by this squad. So we'll Wait, see what well, happens. Yeah, that's why I think when I told you in the we were talking to DMs and you said you really believe this team is a Super Bowl contender. And I just, you know, as de- de- depressing as it might sound, is I just feel like, okay, you and I, we both want to see a Dolphins Super Bowl more than anything in this world, and I just feel like our days are going to come and go with us just, you know, getting oh so close, never getting that taste of a Super Bowl. But, um, you know, that's a lot of negativity, right, for a team that at the beginning of the year, if we sat here and looked at the schedule, we were sitting at 6-3 and three heading into the bye, we'd feel pretty good about ourselves. I think the biggest disappointment is just how those three losses have come about. You mentioned it, man. Um, you know, you lost the Eagles. We can blame the refs if we want the Bills. I mean, I mean, those games are going to go back and forth for the next decade, right? We're going to split games with the Bills because those are that's an elite team in the AFC East. We're going to battle tooth and nail against them. But then that Kansas City Chiefs game, like you said, the offense coming out there flat. It was a little bit of a humbling experience. You didn't see Tyreek Hill make the plays that you normally do. You know, he had some critical drops there. Tuatangvaloa, you know, game late, you mentioned it. Uh, bobbled a snap, which came at him like a, I joke, a ballistic missile that came just rifled at his hands, but he should have caught that. He was cheating left a little bit, maybe sensing the pressure, but regardless, that play was never going to work out, and it was a full you know, team implosion on the offense side of the football. I don't know that you really could feel good about much other than maybe Raheem Mostert. I mean, I think what irks me a little bit is late in that game, Mostert talked to Mike McDaniel on the sideline and said how he could see that those outside runs were working. I think they, what, came out right away back-to-back plays and picked up, what, like 30 yards or something? Got all the way down the field, and then, you know, they just kind of abandoned it. And I think you just want to see, um, you know, Mike McDaniel not turn into a pumpkin at times, not abandon the run game when it's working in these big-time matchups. And as of right now, you know, the Dolphins are who they – who, who they who we think they are, right? In order to be a, be the man, you got to beat the man. So hopefully we see them come out of this by hungry with that bitter taste in their mouth. We did mention a defense. I have some stats here from King of Finland on Twitter. Let's be honest, everybody's following him on Twitter. Zero points allowed in the second half, one forced fumble, one sack, 38 passing yards, and 40 rushing yards. So you mentioned there's no moral victory, but when we want to see the defense, you know, eventually reach that peak, you know, we're talking 
everywhere Vic Fangio goes, top 10 defense. You know, we were expecting maybe even a top five defense. We really didn't see that at the beginning of the season. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey wasn't there. There were some injuries, but we're seeing it come together right now. And, you know, for everyone that was down on that Bradley Chubb signing, that dude has come to play this season. Six sacks, four, four forced fumbles, I think 40 total tackles. So there is some good, but this is the NFL, right? I mean, we see the offense going out there, putting up 70 points, like you said. And then some weeks, this, right, 14 points. So um, we're going to need the defense to lift that offense up at times. But if any of us came into this matchup saying you were going to hold Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs team to 21 points, we would have all thought we were getting that W and flying home, heading into the bye, 7-2 and two with, you know, no concerns in the world, but that's not who we are right now. we got to listen to all that outside noise, and rightfully so, because like you said, until they beat a real team, we're going to continue to hear this. So um, are we ready to close the book on the Chiefs? I mean, I feel like at this point, man, is there anything else you have to say about that Chiefs matchup? Because um, I'm ready to put that behind us and hope that we get to see them again in the playoffs, right? Hope Tyreek gets to go to Arrowhead, or even better, they get to come home. I mean, you mentioned a lot of people are saying it's a moral victory, but when these – the standings come down to the wire at the end of the season, it's going to come down to maybe the Dolphins and Chiefs for that home field advantage. And, you know, the Dolphins aren't the same team on the road. I mean, you can say what you will, but they're an entirely different monster at home. So um, hopefully this isn't, you know, have that big of playoff implications. But I do think if the Dolphins continue to build upon what we saw throughout that first uh, half of the season, they may very well be playing the Chiefs come playoff time. Yeah, they very well could be. Um, maybe I'll, you know, drive down to – Kansas City for that one. It's not too far from where I'm at. A little bit cold uh, in December, January in in Kansas City. So we'll see how that goes. But you know, another thing I thought of, and again, huge Mike McDaniel fan. Think we got our coach for a very, very long time here. But I, I'm reminded of the saying that what what gets you hired gets you fired, right? So this offense is humming because of all of this motion, um, you know, and the these short motions with Tyreek and and things like that, which again re requires great timing and precision with these snaps, but you got to be able to revert back to kind of line up and smash you in the mouth football and dictate terms to the opposing defense instead of always trying to go with the, the, the sleight of hand, you know what I mean? Like it always feels like they're Mike McDaniel's trying to be an, a magician out there and he's trying to trick these opposing defenses. Sometimes when you have weapons like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, you just have to line them up and say, our guys are better than your guys, and we're going to beat you with our guys because they're better than your guys. And you don't always need all of that sleight of hand because when the offense is designed for Tua Tungavailoa to get the ball out so quickly, like 2.4 seconds average time to throw is where he's at right now. And things aren't perfect when you're on the road and the crowd noise is so loud. That's just not going to work out for you. You know what I mean? So earlier in the season when it's working really well, and especially at home, we're all praising Mike McDaniel. But he has to be able to adjust and, and, and you know, make this offense work under less than ideal conditions. So... What gets you hired can ultimately get you fired. And I use that, you know, it's just a turn of phrase. I don't think Mike McDaniel's getting fired. Certainly not this year, not next year. Uh, again, I do believe he is the coach of this team for many, many years to come. But if you're going to be praised for all of this short motion stuff and the timing, you know, being perfect and whatnot, you're going to be lambasted for that stuff too. And so I'm sitting here and I, and I need to know that you have the answers for 
when this team needs to go into a hostile environment, play against a good defense when the crowd noise is loud, I need to know and trust that you can make the adjustments to make sure that this offense still executes at a high level. So I haven't seen it yet, and I'm hoping I'll see it soon. I think the the next road game is against the Commanders. Um, so I don't know how big of a test that's going to be with them trading their two best pass rushers away uh, recently. But, uh, you know, it'll give him, a, give him an opportunity to work on things uh, while you wait for these real juggernauts to come back to town. Um, so, and, and that's what we need to see, right? We want to see this offensive genius not crumble, sort of speak, in the moments. I mean, we saw it in Buffalo. Um, you know, the plays were getting in late. We saw him hitting a vape. I mean, people were asking me, why does he seem to fall apart? on the road in these environments against these good teams. And I, you know, I, I hate to make excuses, but I'm looking at it like this, Merrick. This dude's basically our age, right? He's 40 years old, second year calling plays, you know, second year as a head coach. And he's in Frankfurt, Germany with the game on the line going against Andy Reid. I mean, you got to be a little bit scared shitless, right? You you want to see him overcome those nerves, you know, overcome those big moments and just, um, you know, we, we want the Dolphins as a unit to look like they belong in those situations. And um, I think that's kind of what's the most disheartening is every time we get our hopes up that they're having this marquee matchup, this matchup that'll, you know, show us where we belong amongst the rest of our peers. They always seem to come out and lay flat and we just don't want to see that. So hopefully we see an entirely different team after this bye week. Um, we know the Raiders played a solid game against the Giants who I think they were going against like Danny DeVito's son or something. But, um, you know, <laughs> the Dolphins, uh, they have a, pretty nice schedule coming up that I do think that if they can get there, put everything together, we should see the team that we all hope we saw at the beginning of the year. Moving on, Merrick, from the Chiefs, there are some Dolphins are working out some wide receivers, and I know that shocks you, right? I mean, the Dolphins seem to, whether it's a cornerback or a wide receiver, they're always working these guys out and interchanging them. Jake wrote an article for the Finsider that the Dolphins were working out. Jacob Copeland, Racy McMath and Anthony Schwartz. Schwartz was the name that really stuck out to a lot of people. I looked it up, ran a 4.2740 time. You know, you hear that and immediately think, oh, God, adding him to a Devon HM when he comes back. You know, uh, Raheem Mostert, Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, you name it. You know, you know how much Mike McDaniel loves his speed. So that was the one name that really stuck out to me. But what do you think it means that the Dolphins are looking at these wide receivers? And the biggest thing out of all this is Jalen Waddle does seem to be a bit banged up. Mike McDaniel talked about using this bye week to get everybody healthy, really mentioned his name and trying to get him right heading into that um, matchup with the Raiders. We saw him against the Chiefs. He was trying to go, trying to gut it out for his uh, teammates, but he just could not go. So give me your thoughts on some of these guys that they're bringing in. Give me your thoughts on the Jalen Waddle injury and then maybe some positions we should be looking at as this bye week comes around. Because let's be honest, man, this is a time where teams might bring in some veteran offensive line depth. I think we saw Jason Pierre-Paul say he'd sign with a team's practice squad. And, um, you know, the Dolphins could use some defensive line depth. I think he's more of a edge rusher, and I'm not quite sure we need that. But give me your thoughts on the entire wide receiver unit as a whole and then maybe who we might bring in as this bye week progresses to push us towards that playoff push towards the end of the year. Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. Of those three wide receivers, I have only heard of Anthony Schwartz. <laughs> I I don't know who the other two guys are. Uh, Racy McMath, I thought that was the name of the, the high school teacher who got fired for starting an OnlyFans here in Missouri. I saw that story on Twitter a couple days ago. Uh, I did my research on that one uh, long and hard, actually. But uh, yeah, Racy McMath there. Didn't know that was a real human being, so I don't really have much to say about that. As far as the, the wide receiver room goes, I feel like they, they got a good group, you know what I mean? A little bit of a banged up group. Uh, I, I feel like Jalen Waddle's going to be all right uh, until his next injury. He's been battling injuries all season long, so hopefully he can get over those and, 
and get close to 100% as we near playoff time here. Uh, River Craycraft, I believe they said, uh, you know, they're going to open his window if they didn't already open his window. I'm trying to remember exactly how that went. Um, you're running out of IR spots where you can just bring these guys back. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you don't have too many more left. You're going to get a Chan back next week, you know, for that Raiders game, which is exciting for this offense. I think it'll, it'll actually help this offense out quite a bit. You know, anytime you can add a player to your team, who's averaging nearly 13 yards per carry, that's a good, that's a good thing there. But you also mentioned players that the dolphins could, could bring in outside of that wide receiver room. And I really liked your mention of uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. He's a veteran in this league. You know, he, he's been around quite a long time. He can he can add a, another pass rusher to this team. And I'm on record saying it multiple times over that pass rusher, it's one of those positions that you can never have too many of them. So right now the Dolphins have a, a, a good duo in Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb. You can, you can make it a trio when you – include Andrew Van Ginkle in that group but you know why why don't we make this a foursome the more the merrier right let's get Jason Pierre-Paul in here uh maybe even a defensive tackle and he can actually play a little defensive tackle he can bump in on the inside on those uh third and longs and create even more havoc for opposing quarterbacks um and, and step into a, a a system where or a defense that that like I said earlier it seems like it's rounding into form and and this is the defense we thought we were getting at the beginning of the year before that Jalen Ramsey injury he's been phenomenal over these last couple games I believe I I heard it somewhere that you know the Ramsey and Howard only gave up 21 yards combined against the Kansas City Chiefs uh when they were in coverage that's great and against an offense like that like that's just if we can continue to do things like that on defense and this offense can get back to even half of what they were doing the first few games of the season, like then, yeah, my confidence will go back up that this is a Super Bowl quality team. Um, you hate to make definitive statements after one loss like that to the Chiefs, but uh, but that defense could really be the thing that turns things around. So we'll have to see how it goes with all of that. Um, but yeah, Racy McMath, $10 a month, I think. I I don't even I don't even know what to say to that. Um, I I got to mention Brandon Peely. The Dolphins re-signed him back to the practice squad. I know Jake was pretty high on him throughout the um you know talking about acorns we did in the summertime. So um that's more defensive line depth. But um I, I think I like the receivers. I think Chase Claypool. I believe yesterday um Mike McDaniel said he's. 100% bought in and is going to get more of the playbook down. We see him out there, you know, making blocks, looking like he wants to be out there playing football again. So that's awesome to see. And uh, again, I, I love the way this defense is coming together. You talked about Jalen Ramsey and X being such a factor. I mean, let's be honest, that's why that defensive line's getting all that pressure up front. I mean, a couple of those Bradley Chubb pre uh, sacks I posted today, those wouldn't have happened if the secondary wasn't clamping down, you know, locking up their guys. And um, that's all we saw. I mean, even Travis Kelsey, the way they game planned for him was phenomenal. So the defense is coming together I just hope that we see more of that Miami Dolphins offense that we saw put up 70 points earlier in the year and speaking of that Merrick the last thing I really want to talk about was I wanted to get your opinion on what maybe was the biggest moment or you know the biggest surprise you know which player stood out most whatever you want to do however you want to attack this of the first half of the season I mean that 70 points I had that written down because let's be honest I don't know about you man but I don't know that I've ever um Thought I, I mean, I don't want to say I never thought the Dolphins were going to score 70 points in a game in my lifetime, but it's not really anything you really thought about. So to see them drop 70 on the, the Broncos, who then, you know, what, two weeks ago beat the Chiefs, I mean, 
that was pretty awesome to see at, in the first half of the season. I'll probably throw another one out there at the end of this, but give me your thoughts, man. What really stood out to you in that first half of the season that really had you, um, you know, stoked for what we saw? I think, uh, I think where, where I go is the impact that the newcomers uh, have made on the season so far. You know, as Dolphins fans, we're so used to the Dolphins signing people in free agency, sometimes making these, these big trades, these splashy trades, and then them blowing up in our faces. You know what I mean? Like Danelle Ellerby, Philip Wheeler, things like that. Even Brandon Marshall to an extent. Uh, who's going through? Don't you don't know, you say Mike Wallace right now? Don't you say Mike Wallace? Yeah, I don't oh, know. What's yeah, going yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could literally play this game for the next forty-five minutes. I imagine Deion Jordan was a trade that we trade up in the draft <laughs> let's, to let's not to take it. him. Let's but uh, you know, we're so used to these moves blowing up in our faces that when you see a guy like David Long come in, and you know, he struggled there for a couple weeks at the beginning of the year, learning the Vic Fangio system, but he's really turned it on as of late. He's looked really good. Uh, Braxton Berrios uh, as a as a punt returner and and kind of uh, you know at times used as a receiver. He's made some big catches for the Dolphins this year. Moved the change a little bit. I've been uh, you know happy with 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 his stuff there. Uh, and then you, you look at somebody like uh, a Chan, you know, being drafted and only playing a, a couple games. I still think he's in the top 10 of rushing yards for running backs this year. He's literally played like two and a half games. That's it. Like that's, that's all he's done. And he's still in the top 10 for rushing yards of any player this year. And we get him back after the bye week So excited for him. And then obviously Jalen Ramsey, only two games in a Dolphins uniform so far, but that is already looking like, a steal like clearly i think we thought it was a steal when the when the trade was made but even more so now that we've watched him play a couple games and looked uh he's looked phenomenal against the new england patriots zero yards allowed with an interception and then to to play against an offense the caliber of the kansas city chiefs and and really lock things down in the secondary as well i think I just I look at the the newcomers and then vic fangio a newcomer uh as the defensive coordinator i think he's been good for this team we've questioned some decisions he he's made at times when the defense wasn't as healthy but that's just him trying to piece things together and do the best he can and and, and overall i would say he's been a, a a very high quality addition to this miami dolphins football team so excited for the second half of this season you know again expectations may have been lowered a little bit but i'm a diehard dolphins fan it's not going to take a lot for me to shoot those expectations back up again but I think that's my major my major storyline is is how finally Dolphins additions haven't been disappointing, and um, we got a good group of guys this year. Yeah, and that's a wonderful wonderful thing for you to say. I, I don't did you mention Deshaun Elliott too? I mean, he's been playing yeah, yeah uh, there's spectacular. A guy. So I mean, um, yeah, it is just a completely different than what we've become accustomed to because so many times we'd sign these guys who won't do much or just became a uh, fizzle out. I mean, we come on here all the time and do these podcasts. So you know, maybe we were down on David Long after one week. You know, he didn't go out there and maybe missed missed a tackle or this and that. You know, Vic Fangio's defense wasn't quite what we thought it was right out the gate. But right now, I think everything's coming together, and you see how dynamic David. Long is a linebacker. I mean, he's playing like one of the best linebackers in all of football, for being honest. Vic Fangio is finally getting that defense together. So um, I, I love that you brought that up. The thing for me, and I guess I'm going to go with biggest surprise or, you know, what really stood out was the way that offensive line is played despite all the injuries, right? I mean, I mm -hmm. can't remember the number of guys that have started on the offensive line. Maybe it was 10. I, I don't remember where I read that, but you know what I mean, man. 
every week it seems like there's a new guy out there and you know for the most part they're holding their own yes to a ton of is getting that ball out pretty fast you know uh, yes you know they're they're scheming things so that he can pull the trigger but the way Kendall Lamb played when Teron Armstead was out you know the way Robert Hunt looked before he went down I mean he's a guy that's just consistent even Liam Eikenberg looked okay at center right when he was thrown into the fire so um the way the offensive line has managed to still keep that same steady level of play despite the interchangeable pieces it was definitely one of those surprises that have really stuck out for me and um again you got to give Butch Berry credit you got to give um Mike McDaniel credit right because I when Butch Berry got signed, I still remember all the Broncos beat writers kind of making jokes like he was this dick and he was n- not cut out for the job, postage notes this, that. And, you know, Dolphin fans, you don't know what an offensive line coach is or what he did. You sat there and took that as gospel. Oh, man, what are the Dolphins doing? What are they doing? Well, they brought in a guy who, you know, was the yin to the yang of Mike McDaniel and got this offensive line really playing great. And shame on me, Austin Jackson, right? Austin Jackson's been playing mm-hmm. phenomenal. So, um, yeah, that offensive line to me has been a big surprise. And, um, let's be honest, has a lot to do with the Dolphins' success this season. Yeah, so you bring up that offensive line. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I know it's not in our rundown. Uh, This is another hot-button topic on on social media this week. Uh, The bye week, it it offers you an opportunity to make some changes and practice it a few times before you have to roll it out there when the bullets are live. Liam Eikenberg, like you mentioned, uh, doing pretty decent for the Dolphins this year, unexpectedly. There's been some talk about whether or not the Miami Dolphins should start Liam Eikenberg at center and move Connor Williams to left guard, considering all the injuries right now. And it doesn't sound like Isaiah Wynn is going to be back anytime soon and quite possibly could be done for the rest of the year. Do you feel like this offensive line is a better unit with Liam Eikenberg at center and Connor Williams starting at left guard? That way, when you get Robert Hunt back, which, you know, it's sounding like he can come back for the Raiders game, you have an offensive line of Teron Armstead left tackle, Connor Williams left guard, Eichenberg center, who he's actually had more snaps at center this season than Connor Williams so far. I believe he has 304 snaps at center, while Connor Williams only has 290. So he actually has more snaps at center this year than Williams. Uh, And then Robert Hunt at right guard and Austin Jackson at right tackle. Does that uh, that do you... You know, does that make you feel butterflies in the stomach, good good or bad? Um, otherwise, you're looking at like Teron Armstead, maybe Liam Eikenberg, Connor Williams, Hunt, and Jackson. And I'll tell you what, I, I certainly liked Eikenberg's tape at center a lot more than I did his tape at, at left guard. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good question. I, I think I'm with you. I think I wouldn't mind seeing that. I mean, how many... Connor Williams was what, like an all-pro left guard, right? Wasn't he like sensational at left guard and then they moved him over? I mean, I, I would be yeah, intrigued by that. Yeah, I think his that. main issue was, was the penalties. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm intrigued by that. And considering, you know, I, I know Twitter's talking about this snap still. I think I even got into it a little bit yesterday making jokes. But um, after that snap, I think I might sit here and, and lean Liam Eikenberg there at center and moving uh, Connor Williams over. I But again, I mean, that doesn't sound bad, though, compared to what we've been used to these last few years, right? I mean... I think I'd give it a try. Yeah, sure. Why not? Is and that's something that's been talked about. You said like a beat writer. It's been reported. I think. I think. Or is it it's, just fans? More so, just. Yeah, okay. I think it's more so fans just kind of you know shooting shit and trying to figure out if that would be, you know, a combination that would work. I think even McDaniel has come out and said that you know oh we're going to be choosing between Eichenberg and uh, Lester Cotton for the left guard spot, which makes sense. You know what I mean? You don't want to shake things up too much. Uh, I think Connor Williams himself would prefer to stay at center. I think centers make a little bit more money than guards do. 
Um, but you, it does make you wonder if the snap issues don't correct themselves and, and he doesn't get it down and there's another fumble lost. It does make you wonder if you can, you can utilize him at that left guard position instead where snapping isn't uh, you know, part of his game uh, and he can still anchor that offensive line really, really well. You, you wonder if that's an option you do. And I think the, that's pretty much been his only gripe that anyone would have with him at center, right, is his snaps. I think he's been sensational in blocking and all that stuff. It's just mm-hmm. um, those errant snaps. And, again, Tua Tamaloa, right-handed, like you mentioned, should have had that one. But in that moment, man, you did not need that snap with all that pressure coming at his face. Um, so, absolutely, man. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see the way they come out of this. And that leads me to the very last part of this podcast. What are your expectations um, moving forward? Because I'm looking at it now. The remaining schedule is the Raiders. Jets, Commanders, Titans, Jets, Ravens, and Bills. And I realize I don't have the Cowboys in there. So um, I don't know what I had written down there. So what are your yeah. thoughts on that? What are your expectations, I should say? Because, you know, you look at those and there's definitely some winnable matchups. But, um, you know, division matchups can go any way. The Ravens are tough. Give me your predictions heading out into the final few weeks of the season. And are we going to see the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs? Better yet, are we going to see them win a playoff game, Eric? That's a great question. So I think this this post bye week schedule is actually really good for the Dolphins. They get to play some, uh, you know, uh, some opponents who aren't on the, you know, aren't in the upper echelon of teams in the NFL. You come back with the Raiders. That's a very winnable game. They got a rookie starting there. Um, I believe they've said he will start the rest of the season barring injury. So um, I think that's a good thing for the Dolphins. Uh, then you got the Commanders, who again their defense. Uh, uh, they traded away two of their best pieces there. Their offense has been okay, but Sam Howell gets sacked at one of the highest rates in the history of the National Football League. So I think our defense can feast on that. I'm not afraid of the Jets. I'm really not, you know, and the Chargers dismantled them on Monday Night Football, even with, you know, Justin Herbert not throwing so, for a lot so of you, yards. And you don't think Rodgers is going to come back? You don't think uh, he's going to well, come I, back? I certainly don't I think Rodgers is coming back for that Black <laughs> Friday game against the I, Jets. I see those reports that he might have been, um, you know, in cahoots with Adam Schefter and reporting that there was an Achilles injury so he could um, get ahead of this rehab and do all these, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers type things. It's just funny that uh, p- some people think he might come back this year. I, I just had to joke. There's no way we're going to see Aaron Rodgers again this year. And if he does, yeah, he's going to get engulfed. He's going to get engulfed by Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb. So enter yeah. at your own risk, man. The the Jets offensive line is is in far more shambles than, than uh, a lot of the past offensive lines of the Miami Dolphins have even been. And that's saying something. So I, don't, I certainly don't think he's back for the Black Friday game. We'll see about the one a couple weeks after that. Um, but I really do think, you know, you throw the Titans in there. They're also starting a rookie quarterback. I like Will Levis. I thought he's looked good. But, you know, the Fangio defense is a tough one for even veteran quarterbacks to crack. So I don't expect him to be able to do it. So I really do think there's an opportunity for the Dolphins to rattle off five consecutive victories after the bye, which would bring their record to 11-3. and three. And then even if you lose the final three games, uh, you're 11 and six. I think that guarantees you a playoff spot there. So I think a, a final record prediction of 11 and six sounds pretty safe for me. That gets you the playoffs. I don't know if it gets you the division. We'll see what happens with the bills. If they can figure things out or if they're going to continue this, this downswing that they're on. Um, but I do expect the Miami dolphins to make the playoffs and I do expect them to win a playoff game. You know, right now, I think they said uh, if the playoffs started today, they would play Kenny Pickett in the Pittsburgh Steelers and they would play that game at home. Sign me up. That's that. I think that's a victory right there. So I'd be really happy to see it. So you just have to hope that this 
like I said, the Dolphins offense can begin to dictate terms to opposing defenses instead of always just trying to trick them uh, here, there, and everywhere. Like, let's just let's just play some football sometimes. I, I love the the motions and the trickery and some of that stuff, but you can't do it 100% of the time. You know, you just got to be able to line up and play football sometimes. So hopefully we can get to that and do it at a high level. And this defense continues to, to uh, get healthier, uh, stay healthy, and uh play as well as they did against the chiefs because uh you know like they always say you you win super bowls with the ground game and with a good solid defense and i think the dolphins have both of those so we're not going to give up on them just yet we're just going to expect a little bit more going forward yeah that sounds great to me i mean uh we're dolphin fans Till we die, right? I mean, there's nothing that's ever going to change that. And I, I mean, I was going to give a prediction, but what you said, that's music to my ears, man. We rattle off five wins. I mean, I'm just sitting here laughing because we'd have 11 wins with three games to play. And I'm just thinking, I don't even know that my memory can think back to the last time we were in that position. So, um, man, it feels good to be a Dolphins fan right now, despite, you know, again, laying eggs to some of those teams that, um, some of those elite teams throughout the league. But Merrick, I think that's about it, man. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of another Dolphins podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, smash the like button, and most importantly, go on Twitter and follow Merrick at mbrave13 on Twitter. Jake Mendel was not with us today, but you can follow him at jmendel94. And I'm, of course, at Houts. Thank you once again for listening to another Dolphins podcast. We'll be back later this week. But until then, fins up. Fins up, baby.